Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Why don't you just say this? Say, man, that, by the way, that offering declaration was, man, that had, talk about fire, some fire on it. Why don't you repeat this after me? Say, God brought me here this morning because he believes in me more than I believe in myself. He's preparing me and raising me up for something bigger than I know. Something's happening in me this morning. It's supernatural. It's going to increase, and it's going to influence the nations. Amen. My wife, Wendy's not here. Let me just tell you what happened. Um, her mother, who was going to be 98 on February 20th, passed away yesterday. So Wendy has flown back, and she is both um, sad and happy. We spent about a week with her um, in, during Christmas, and she was ready to go. She said, I want to go and be with him. And so she has, and we pray for Wendy and her family, and she said, Steve, stay and minister. And I know my mother-in-law would have wanted that as well, to just, uh, to just bless you. So thank you for praying for Wendy and her family, and God's showing up today in this message. It's been so, um, just being here, I, I, Wendy and I just love Jim and Mary Baker, and just been a great relationship through the years. Jim and I co-wrote a book called Help Him a Pastor, which is a fun book. It's in the, the, the resource book table. And just coming back to Zion, and, you know, I, I travel a lot, and uh, I've become a spiritual wine connoisseur. And uh, I just love, um, the Bible says, taste and see. That the Lord is good. And I love going into different places and tasting his goodness. Man, you know, just even here, just what, what's at Zion and what you carry. And I know there's visitors here and just this region. And, but, but I taste uh, freedom. I taste passion. Uh, I, I, I taste uh, risk-taking. I taste courage. I taste uh, intimacy. I taste Holy Spirit encounters. Presence. And so thank you so much. I, I, I am always better for being here. And, and just uh, as I was praying, um, I, I was hearing just a few different things that I just want to release uh, and there's been a lot of powerful releases already this morning. Um, I'm hearing that a significant miracle is going to happen in this region that's going to bring many to the Lord. I'm hearing that uh, these words, downsizing for a season is not failure. I I'm hearing that there's a prayer explosion in the high school and colleges in this region. False responsibility for family members getting saved is getting broken off, people. Grace to overcome shame and go for it is, release, is being released. Some, some people just need to go for it. Someone easy to overlook is the answer. Is the person. Someone easy to overlook is the person. I've got a team with me. Team, why don't you stand up? They're going to help me at the end of the message. We've got Henry over here from Brazil. We got Mary, who spent 16 years in Africa. We got Judy, who was a missionary in 
in Asia. They're all part of my team. They've done three years, or they're in their third year of the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And I want to share a message today called Four Words to Live By. Four Words to Live By. And I want to share just a number of Bible verses in the beginning just to get us going. So, Romans 14.5, and I'll share these quickly, and you may want to write these down. Romans 14.5 says, One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Say fully convinced. Say, say fully convinced in his own mind. And then Romans 4 uh, Verses 18 to 21, talking about Abraham, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. Say, in hope believed. In hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. Let's laugh at that. Since he was a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God. By the way, when I consider Abraham, uh, from my earthly perspective, I see some wavering. Mm -hmm. If you know the story, I think Ishmael was a waver, lying twice about his wife being his sister, seems like a waver. God's analysis of our faith is different than our own. God's analysis of our faith is different than our own. It says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced, say fully convinced, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, so, so each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? Yeah, and I want you to say these words. God loves a cheerful decider. Acts 16. Don't you love the Bible? Man, this is just so good. Let me see. Acts 16. It's here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. By the way, say in the night. A man of Macedonia... Uh, stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding, say the word concluding, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And then um, one last verse, James chapter 1. By the way, James chapter 1 is a chapter for somebody here. I, I've done a series, I did a message out of that called What to Do If You Have a Problem. <clears throat> and James chapter 1 has, has, has the answers. In verse 5, James 1, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all stingily, liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Say, it will be given to me. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. By the way, the Lord's releasing a grace to overcome doubting. With no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed, by the wind, for, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. 
He is a double-minded man. Say double-minded. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. By the way, that verse used to discourage me. But I found a key in that verse for breakthrough, which we'll share. And then Matthew 4.4 is really the launching verse I want to do. Jesus said this. He said, "Man, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds in the mouth of God. So the quality of my life depends on my identifying what I believe God has told me. Let me say that again. The quality of my life depends on my identifying or concluding what I believe God has told me. The more I can say, I believe God has said this to me, is the more I'll live. I can put up with a lot of junk if I've got a word from the Lord. I can put up with a lot of uncertainty for the future if I've got a word from the Lord. I can put up with a lot of outward non-success if I have a word from the Lord. But if I don't have a word from the Lord, the only way I can live is if things are going well. It's the only way I can live. And by the way, in this meeting, the Lord is going to release a grace of victory in your life. And, and, and really, God's method of making great leaders is to make us successful on the inside when we don't look successful on the outside. God's method of making great leaders, and I'm in a room with great leaders is to make us successful on the inside when we don't look successful on the outside. Because success is not, not a goal to be attained, it's a state of being. If I need something outward to validate me as a success, whether it's achievements, whether it's possessions, whether it's looks, whether it's fam family condition, if I need anything on the outside to... Uh, define me as a success, I'm not a success. Joseph in the Old Testament was a successful man, regardless if he was a slave, prison, or second in command. And so as I look at this, um, and we've been talking this weekend about if something happens uh, in our lives and, and we're hit by something or we look at what's going on nationally. Or the, the, the two questions to ask is, number one, what am I to believe about this? What am I to believe? And the second question is, what am I to do? And the first question is most important. What do I need to believe right now? What do I need to renew my mind with now? But because the, the kingdom is not moved forward by good conduct. It's moved forward by good beliefs. The greatest question to ask is not, Lord, what should I do? The greatest question is to ask, what should I believe? What should I believe about what's going on in America? What should I, what should I believe about uh, this situation? It's not that what we do is not important, and we'll get into that today, but, but our beliefs were, were transformed in, in Romans 12 too, by the renewing of our mind. We see transformation by believing something higher than what we're feeling and experiencing. Because if we only renew our mind with our feelings and our experience, we're just going to repeat that in our lives. Because current mind renewal creates future experience. And so as I look at this, I look at four words to live by. A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. As, as we take that, I want to just take four things that proceed from the mouth of God, four words to live by. And I love it, it says proceeds. It, it's ongoing. It, it, it's, not, it's like every, every day, every situation, we have a proceeding word. And the first, the first word we live by is just God's promises. My future is as bright as the promises of God. 
I'm not into positive thinking. I'm into biblical optimism. <laughs> Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold fast our confession of hope without wavering. How many know that's a lot of hope talk? Hold fast the confession of hope without wavering. And then it tells us why. For he who promised is faithful. And so just what do I live by? I, I have to just get the promises of God in my life. I just, I mean, there, there's so many promises. Just do an online search, the promises of God, and start reading them. Get them in your mouth. It, 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 it's powerful. We start living by it. The more we meditate and immerse ourselves in it is the more real they become to us. And you can take just like one promise in, in, in Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. And I mean, I, I, I've got this declaration clicker because my goal is to make 100 declarations a day. Man, by the way, man, that offering thing really helped me out today. Really appreciate it. I'm actually accountable to somebody to make 700 declarations a week, and if I don't do it, I pay that person $3. I, you know, do an experiment. I love the experiment. Do an experiment. Make a, at least 100 declarations, faith declarations a day for a month and see what happens. We can take, uh, yeah, God's going to provide all my needs. I mean, it's just, uh, wow, thank you, Lord, you're meeting my emotional needs, my relational needs, my financial needs, my need of knowing what to do about what's going on in my country. Thank you that you're meeting my family's needs. Thank you you're meeting my city's needs. Thank you, Lord. And, and you just take a promise like that and just start, uh, you know, just, we start living by it. It builds our faith. And, or you can take Romans 8, 28, and all things work together for good. For those who love God and they're the called according to, say thank you, just name things in your life that may have been difficult. That thing's turning for good. You just we, we get the promises of God that we start living by that. And the second thing, second word to live by is, is our, our biblical identity. And I know I'm excited about the school tonight. Isn't, isn't the, is it identity and inheritance? Oh, man. By the way, tonight's 5 o'clock meeting is going to be powerful. Man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good one. <laughs> but I live by my identity. I live by who God says I am. I'm not who my past says I am. I am who God says I am. I remember when I began to understand that the, the battle in our life is not against the devil, not against people. It's, it's with our beliefs. And certainly, I mean, the devil, we don't, discount the devil, but if I get my beliefs right, I'm not going to have a problem with the devil. But when I began to understand that, it, that the battles between lies and truth, and I asked the Lord to show me lies I was believing, he took a phrase uh, out of <clears throat> Genesis 3.11 where God asked Adam, who told you that you were naked, and took a phrase and started talking to me and used the phrase, who told you that? And I would say this, I don't have the gift of healing. By the way, let's just laugh at that. <laughs> Holy Spirit said, who told you that? And after listening to Jim Baker today, man, I, said, That's a, I know I've got the gift after listening to him. But I remember when he asked me that, why, why, who told you you don't have the gift of healing? I thought, well, that's a good question, Lord, let me think. Probably not you. I know who told me that. My past. My past experience told me I do not have the gift of healing. And, and Lord, that's what I'm renewing my mind with. So how come you call yourself by my past rather than who I call you? Well, Lord, it's because all the other Christians do it, and I thought I was supposed to too. 
Ha ha. I would say I don't remember names well. Let's just laugh at that. Ha ha. Who told you that? Hmm. The past. I'm a disorganized person. Yep, let's laugh at that. Something to give an extra laugh on that one. Who told you that? My wife. <laughs> my wife told me. No, it's really my past. Well, Steve, we got a pattern here. You like to call things by the past. I like to call things by the future. I thought you said you wanted to be like me. Well, Lord, I thought being like you was just acting like you, not thinking like you. I would say this area is hard for the gospel. Ha ha. <laughs> Who told you that? The past. I realize I, I renewed my mind more with my past and thought, and I got my identity out of my past rather than what God was saying. And, and, and we shared this a, a little bit on Friday night. I remember when I was pastoring a, a, a church in central Nevada in the 90s and just learning these things, and I, I felt like I had very little influence, and, and it felt so true. I believed that. I renewed my mind. I don't have much influence. I'm less than other leaders. There's something uniquely wrong with me. All those lies I was renewing my mind with. And remember the Lord said, Steve, I want you to say... <clears throat> I am, a, say these words, I am a radical influencer of nations. Wow. You guys are, you jumped on that. Well, I wasn't quite as eager as you. <laughs> I said, Lord, I thought you said thou shalt not lie. <laughs> Could you not be more consistent? Shouldn't I wait until I see I'm a radical influencer of nations before I say I'm a radical influencer of nations? He said, if you don't start saying it, you won't believe it, and it's, the chances of it happening are slim. He said, and we shared this Friday night, he said, let me ask you a question, Steve. Do you wait for an apple tree to have apples on it before you call it an apple tree? <clears throat> uh, no, Lord. <laughs> we don't wait. If the apple tree is too young to have apples on it, we still know its identity is an apple tree. And if even if the apple tree died before it was able to have apples at its funeral, we would not be confused. We'd say, Brother Apple Tree, led a short life. <laughs> but we're not confused about its identity. Because we don't get our identity out of what we've done, we get our identity out of what we're created to do. I'm created to influence nations. I'm created to love well. I'm created to walk in abundance. I'm created to release the supernatural. And so I start saying those things. I start living by what God says I am. I get it in my mouth. And it's because I can't consistently do what I don't believe I am. Let me say it again. I can't consistently do what I don't believe I am. Because if I try to do something I don't believe I am, I'm in disunity with me. I remember crying out, God, bring unity to the body of Christ so we can have revival. He said, Steve, if I could just get you into unity, we'd have revival. If I try to act righteous, but I believe I'm a sinner... I'm in disunity with me. By the way, if I believe I'm a sinner, I'll sin by faith. 
Just. <laughs> wow. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say, I think this whole message is just for you. <laughs> I've got to get my identity right. I'm a strong person having a weak experience. I'm an organized person having a disorganized experience. I'm a prosperous person having a poverty experience. <laughs> I'm a great husband having a non-great husband experience. Well, I get my identity. I live. The more, the more I get it, and that's why I, man, I'm so fired up about uh, this, this part of your school that's coming up. Because if we can get this thing, we'll live. We'll live. We believe and then we see. We don't see and then believe. The, the third thing uh, we live by is, is our rhema words. Rhema words. And rhema is a, a Greek word that's translated word in the New Testament. Uh, logos is the other one. So you got logos, you have rhema, two Greek words translated word. Logos uh, if, is, is the overall word of God. It's just uh, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning, it was a logos. Uh, rhema is, a, is an individual part of the word of God that's made real to you that we fight with. Even in this verse, Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. Uh, it's rhema. Every rhema. Every now word for our lives uh, that proceeds in the mouth of God. It says in uh, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, by the rhema of God. Ephesians 6, 17 says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, which is the rhema of God. Take up what you believe God has specifically spoken to you in promise and in direction. And that's what we fight with. We, we fight with a word. That, that, that's the only offensive weapon in, in the armor of God in Ephesians 6 is the sword of the Spirit. And I'm, by the way, I'm talking to fighters in this room. We're not passive people. We're not saying, well, God, if you want me to walk in victory, you know where I live. <laughs> you say, well, how do I know when I'm getting a rhema word? Well, I mean, there's, uh, I'll tell you, how about if you, you receive prophetic ministry and there's a theme that's over and over and over again. Hello! God's trying to say something to you and is saying something to you specifically for you to start to fight with. Unusual coincidences, aha moments in messages or reading the word where something gets lit on fire, you hear something. That's for me. That's for me. You listen to a message like this, there needs to be something where you say, that word was for me. That way I know God spoke something to me. And it's going to be different for all of us. And I remember one of my most uh, important rhema words I ever received. Uh, and it was, I was, when I was pastoring in Nevada, I was just battling discouragement. And, and I'd, I couldn't live by the word I had of going out there. That, the, the problems, uh, the, the outward failure was greater than the word. Anybody ever had that? Yeah. And, and, and I said, God, I either need a new word or I can't go on here. I need wisdom. And so I'm praying, and I get a thought. Steve, I haven't called you to fail. 
I've called you to succeed. Now, that's a Logos thought. I mean, it's Logos. It's in the Word. I mean, we, we heard it tonight, uh, today, what Brian was sharing, what uh, he always leads us in triumph. I mean, you know, that's a victory word. Uh, you know, that sounds like success. More than a conqueror. Yeah, so, but, but it was a Logos word. Yeah, but it was good. See, if I haven't called you to fail, I called you to succeed. So I'm just thinking about that, and, and, and I, I don't tell anybody. But when you start pressing in, and you ask God for wisdom, you're, you are a magnet for supernatural words. So I don't tell anybody. I go to a pastor prayer meeting, battling discouragement, drag myself in there, and I share, will you pray for me? I, I need you. And, and by the way, humility is a powerful thing, too. They, lay, they go around me, the fellow pastors, first guy who prays, he says this, Father, I thank you that you haven't called Steve to fail. You've called him to succeed. He didn't even know what he was praying. He, he was praying out of his spirit. Yeah, you know, just, ah, oh, just, isn't that fun? Man? Yeah, by the way, you're, you guys are, are, have already been used in people's rhema words, but it's going to increase. I mean, you don't even know when you're saying something, people are going to grab it. And so, man, I heard about it. I said, Father, thank you. You haven't called Steve to fail. You've called him to succeed. I said, that's God. God just gave me a word. That's, that's God. <laughs> it was one of the most important moments of my whole life. It was a turning point moment. In my life, even things we're, I'm doing right now, I can go back to that moment. It didn't, everything didn't change emotionally right away, but I started climbing. And I started fighting with that word. I got that word in my mouth and my hand, and I went to war. It's called a sword because we're supposed to kill something with it. Not people. Yeah, yeah got to clarify. <laughs> in the Old Testament, the giants they faced were literal giant beings. They were in the promise. In the New Covenant, the giants we face are mindsets. Pessimism. Discouragement. Disappointment. Shame. Unworthiness. Victim mindsets. These are the giants that we get to kill. Matter of fact, we have to kill them. Because those, the, those are the only things that can stand in our way. That's the only thing that can stop us, those strongholds. And man, I just got, you know, just, you don't need a lot of rhema words to get victory. Man, I just started fighting. Man, just, ah. No, God's called me to succeed, not fail. That thing would come on me, you know. <laughs> I'd be in church and nobody would be coming. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> no! God has not called me to fail. He's called me to succeed. And I'm going to succeed on the inside of me. No matter what's happening, I'm going to kill these giants with a word. And so we live by the rhema word. So we live by God's promises, by our identity and the rhema word. And the last thing we live by is God's, we live by God's wisdom in our decision making. We live by God's wisdom in our decision making. I can live. You know, by the way, I had to go back and say, Lord, do you want me to still be here in Nevada? Do you want me to be here? That word helped me, but I came to a point where I concluded God said yes. And because I believed I was supposed to be there, I could live. I could live because doubt and double-mindedness is the enemy of great influencers. And this whole thing on, on decision-making. Man, I mean, just uh, read Romans 14.5. It says... One person esteems one day, another every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Say fully convinced. 
A bad decision made in faith has a greater likelihood of success than a good decision made in doubt. And I'm not talking about sinning in faith. But there's a whole lot of things where the Lord says, you decide. I mean, that verse 14, 5 says, hey, one person thinks the Sabbath's one day, another thinks it's every day. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. Two people could have a different conclusion on something like that and both be right. Even some of the things we're facing right now. You know, coronavirus, vax, no vax. You know, people can have a different conclusion and both be right because of the season they're in, because of the calling that they have. The goal in decision-making is to be fully convinced. That's where God's taken us. I, 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 I used to be such a poor decision-maker because I was afraid. I had a haunting feeling that I might be wrong. Whatever I decided. I remember as a young pastor, I had difficulty deciding what I was going to preach. And then I'd go into the pulpit in doubt. I'm preaching this, but probably should be preaching that. Let's laugh at that too. Ha, ha, ha. I, I, I've grown kids. I don't expect them. Hey, Dad, uh, I'm in the uh, vegetable aisle at the store. And uh, I just, we don't know whether to buy Hunt's or Del Monte beans. Can you please give us a command? <laughs> I'd say, you figure it out. You're powerful. Do the best job you know how to do and then attach faith to whatever you buy. I didn't raise my kids to, as, as young, young children or young Christians, we're always waiting, waiting for a command. We're, we have a slave mindset. But God's maturing us. He's, he's, he's maturing us. I, I, again, I, I used to not be able to attach faith because what, what if I'm wrong? And... and then he showed me this verse in, in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, where it says, and it's a great giving chapter, and it says, but each one must give as he has decided in his heart. That's one of the most empowering verses in the whole Bible. The apostle Paul says, you figure it out. You, each one, must give as he has decided in his heart. That's a, ha. Huh. God, you must think I got what it takes. You trust me? You trust me. You're growing me up. And then it goes on and says, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And again, the, the principle here is much more than giving finances. The principle is God loves a cheerful decider. Because cheerfulness is the one of the main evidences we've attached faith to what we're doing. There's different ways we can do things. I can do something relu reluctantly under compulsion. I'm doing it, but I don't want to do it. I'm faithful. I'm part of the remnant. Now, faithfulness is not just showing up. It's how you think when you show up. You show up full of faith. 
Not just showing up. I show up. Something's going to happen. I'm supposed to be here. This is significant. Show up full of faith. I do things reluctantly under compulsion. I'm doing it, but I don't want to do it. That's called a dead work. I can do my job reluctantly under compulsion. I can do my marriage reluctantly under compulsion. I can mow my lawn reluctantly under compulsion. <laughs> it's called a dead work. Hebrews 6 talks about the elementary principles of the faith. It lists six. And the first one that it lists is repentance from dead works. Repentance from dead works. Repenting from works that don't have the faith of God on it. Repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Right at the beginning of Hebrews 6. The six elementary principles. And, and so... We can do it reluctantly or in a compulsion. I can also do whatever I'm doing in doubt. Yep, I'm doing it, but I don't know if I should. I don't know about you, man. Doubt and guilt. You know, I drive by the guy who's got the sign basically saying need money. Uh, the old me, if I didn't give, I would drive by with guilt and doubt. By the way, that thing's getting off of us. Either give in faith or don't give in faith. Each one must decide in his heart what he's going to give. Time, money, what we're going to commit ourselves to. You decide. Then attach faith to it. Do the best job you know how in making decisions. You know, some of us have got family situations where it just we we we're, 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 we struggle to know how to handle it. What do I do? Listen, like any anything, any decision that when I'm in doubt, I clarify my options of what I what I can do. I can do the option A, option B, option C family situation, trust God, pray, speak, option B, turn up my speaking into the situation, whatever, option C, whatever the option is, and then put all the logical reasons why that's a good or not good reason, you know, get input, wisdom, anything the word says about that, uh, look for your God stories, prophetic words, pray into it. Uh, and then look at your options, read it all, and then, then conclude what God's saying. Most decision-making is concluding what God's saying. Very rarely do we hear an audible voice, Steve, do this! Because the journey of making decisions is powerful. Because when we start getting in decision-making mode... And when we actually start using a lack of cheerfulness and doubt as indicators, I, I, I haven't attached faith to that decision. Then we get into a place where we go back to the basics and we say, God, what am I to do? What am I to do? And I mean, this thing is, by the way, what, this thing right here I'm telling you about, this is a meat word. This is a word that, some, that people are going to get in this room. It's going to change your life. It's changed my life. I mean, I, 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 I attach faith. I try to attach faith to everything I do. I believe I'm a great decision maker, and I attach faith to everything that I do. Everything I decide, that's my goal. And to be fully convinced. There's power with people who are fully convinced. There's, there's not power for if I'm doubt and double. And I, no, man, I, I get into doubt and double. There's been some things recently I've been fighting doubt and double-mindedness. It's no fun. Someone say amen. amen. It's not fun at all. Man. 
But when we attach faith to what we're doing, three things happen. We get cheerful, we get energy, we get power. Pretty much before every meeting, I'll say either to myself or my team, this is going to be a great meeting. You know why I say that? Because I'm attaching faith to it. And the moment I say it, something happens. Many times I don't feel like it's going to be a great meeting when I'm saying those words. Ha ha. <laughs> but I say it. By the way, tonight is going to be a great meeting. <laughs> Woo, the moment I say it, I get happy. I get energized. I, I believe this. Most people's tiredness is spiritual, not physical. Most people's tiredness is because they're living in doubt and, and they're doing things reluctantly or under compulsion. There's no energy in that. There's no energy in that. You start attaching faith, man, you got, you're, you're going to just be the energizer bunny. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, even, even how to respond to what's going on in America right now. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And, 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 and there's wisdom. I mean, he gives wisdom. He's going to let you know. It's a, the moment you ask for wisdom, it's coming. But it says, let us ask in faith, no doubting, James 1. It's like the moment, it's like when I order something, I get a tracking number. How many of you like tracking numbers? Yeah, I, I, as soon as I see my tracking number, I release my faith over the tracking number. <laughs> it's coming! It's coming! Woohoo! I, I, I don't stress. I don't order it and look outside the door five minutes after ordering and say, it's not working. I don't say that. It's coming. James 1.5 is our tracking number. Any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. It gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given him. It, man, whoo, I'm going to know. You don't know what to do? Yeah, it's exciting. You're going to know what to do. Just say, I always know what to do. <laughs> you're you're, you're going to know. You just know. You just release your faith. Whoo, yeah, God, I know. I, I'm going to know what to do about family situation. I'm going to know what to do about America. I'm going to know what to do about this situation at work. Can't wait to see what you're going to say. So exciting. So, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds in the mouth of God. I'm talking to great people here today. I'm talking to people today who want to do it right. That's who I'm talking to. And, and, and I'm talking to people, man, you want to live. You want to be alive. You, and and this, this message, I just see, I see somebody listening to this message 30 times. My, my wife is a radical. Bill Johnson, senior leader of Bethel Church, we're out there in Round Mountain, Nevada. She's getting lit up. And she, we, we have an ancient form of, uh, of called, you know, that ancient thing called cassette tapes. She would listen to Bill message 10, 20, 30, 30 times. And, and she's in a season right now where there's one audio book that she's listening to. And I, I bet she's listened to it 25, 30 times, just that one, because she says, I'm going to get this. I'm not just going to, you know, just go, yeah, give, a, give an amen. That's a good word. I'm going for this thing. And there's some people that this word right here and this all the weekend stuff, you're going to go for it. And, and it's going to bring breakthrough. 
It's going to bring breakthrough. And so we live by the word of God. We live by God's promises. We live by our biblical identity. We live by our rhema words. And we live by God's wisdom for us in decision making. You guys receive this word? Yep. If you receive it, say, I receive it. I'll never be the same again. Something happened in me today. It was supernatural. I live by the word of God. I live by his promises. I live by my biblical identity. I live by rhema words. And I live by his wisdom in my decision making. And it's going to change everything. Amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Yes. Woohoo. I'll tell you, that just, that just made me happy. All right. Team, come on up. We are fired up. Uh, you know, I gave him a fun assignment. I know Jim, he's, just, he's been thinking, Steve, get this sermon over because he wants to hear these words. I, we're going to take the, the name Zion. And each of us has one letter of Zion. <laughs> and we are going to tell you. Right, now, are you the I? Okay, you're, you're, that's not on, but we'll get it on. And uh, Mary, you have O, and Henry has the N. All right, <laughs> let me find my notes here because this one, I got the Z. <laughs> and some would say that's difficult. <laughs> Let's just laugh at that. All right, so Zion Church. You are a zesty church. <laughs> you are zesty people. And zesty means lively. You're lively people. And the verse I have for you is John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life. And life more abundantly. Yes, double, double, Mary. And, and the, by the way, this is kind of a double Z. The Greek word for life is Zoe. Yes. And I've come to give you Zoe. Yes. Which is, sounds zesty. And, and life or Zoe means life that is real and genuine. A life active and vigorous Devoted to God, life that comes directly from God, abundantly, uh, means over and above, more than necessary, super added life. Super, and, and you, are, uh, you are the opposite of dead religion. Whoa. This house is the opposite of dead religion. You're zesty, and I see people... Uh, that there's a, a new revelation on Jesus came to give us the abundant life, the Zoe, uh, the abundant Zoe. And, and here's what I see where this is going, is that you are going to make Christianity so attractive. You're, you're, gonna, uh, you're going to export uh, contagious Christianity. Uh, of just people watching your lives, of being free of religion, free of performance, free of all that stuff. And you're going to live in such a zesty way that people in every uh, sphere of society is going to say, what's going on? And you're going to release zestiness into the body of Christ around the world. Whoa. What do you think of that, Gee. Judy? <laughs> 
I think people got radically changed in their minds about their identity. Well, I know you're zesty. Yes. <laughs> hey, what do you got for the eye? Okay, for the eye. Anybody well, I... excited about the eye? <laughs> okay, so the gentleman who was playing the guitar leading worship this morning, he said, um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Um, and then during our offering declarations, <laughs> irresistible influence is what we were declaring over us. So with the letter I, God had given me um, influencers of hope. So I changed that to say irresistible influencers of hope. You guys are irresistible. The hope that you carry is irresistible. The influence that you have is irresistible. And the verse that God gave me was Romans 15, 13 in the Passion Translation. Now may the God, may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing, that means influence, right? It's coming out of you with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his superabundance until you radiate with hope. You are a healer of hearts through your irresistible influence of hope. Jesus says that you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, and that has influence. And there's also a passage that talks, I think it's Matthew, talks about yeast and how the leaven gets in the bread and the dough. Um, You guys are influencers, like yeast. Whenever you get into an atmosphere, hope grows and expands and gets bigger and bigger and makes this huge, big, you know, loaf of bread. (laughs) You're giving him the bread of life through the hope that you have and you carry. So, Wow. You said irresistible influencers? Irresistible influence. Yes, irresistible influence. All right, that's a good one. Now the, oh, Mary, we can't wait. That is a good one, Judy. Zesty and irresistible influencers. Come on. So I've got the O and I got Oaks. Oaks of righteousness. And it's actually a word that God has been speaking to me anyway. So oaks, you know, oaks are hard, sturdy trees with a deep root system, a deep system of roots anchoring them securely in their foundation. And oak wood's known for its strength, hardness, and resistance to hardships and many storms. And that you guys as Zion Church, you've been through many storms, but your root system here is deep. Live oaks are evergreen oaks, and in Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, he refers to those who trust in the Lord as evergreen trees. You guys are a church, Zion Church, that trusts in the Lord deeply. Your root system is deep in the realm of trust with the realm of the kingdom of God. Zion, you are an oak church with deep root systems of trust in the foundation and the fountains of the kingdom of God. The Father delights in your devotion to him. Because of your faithfulness and steadfastness, God has raised you and is raising you up in this hour to be a beacon of light and strength. Your root system will continue to grow deep and wide into this community with regional, state, and governmental influence. I got Isaiah 61.3. Zion, you will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the the display of his splendor. And out of this house is going to come realms of the kingdom of God that will influence all spheres of society. Wow. Henry, these are pretty... It's, it's hard to walk with these ladies. I know. Steve. It's kind of intimidating. It really. is. It I is. Mean, it's just uh, hanging out with these two. Okay. I'll, I'll give my best, okay? I'll try. Zion Church, you are a north. In the word, that, the uh, verse that's connected to that, it's, it's in Isaiah 61. 
Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will, will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And I see that one of the ways that this is going to be expressed is that you are a house that uh, will host uh, evangelists and preachers from all around the world. And I see that not only you're going to host them, but I see that you're starting a... Uh, a uh, school to teach people on how to plant churches and equip people to plant churches and give them a north on how to build community. And, uh, and even preachers that are burned out, tired, for what, whatever reason it is, they're going to come to this place and they're going to find rest. They're going to find encouragement. Yes. You're going to point them. Help them see where they're supposed to go. And the other expression this is going to take, this north that you are, is I shared a little bit yesterday with the leadership team about an evangelistic movement that it's coming, it's starting in this house. And I see that you are influencing Powell, Columbus, Ohio, and the ends of the earth. And I had this vision where I saw your influence growing as you, as you boldly preach the gospel throughout the state and the United States and the world. In other churches, their influence also growing, and there, there was this overlapping. And you receiving these people from other churches and just hosting them here and them knowing that they're going to find a place where they, are gonna, they can rest and be restored and your evangelists and, and, and the people from here finding places in other churches too. And I saw that there would be no competition, but just a unified church preaching the gospel and advancing the kingdom. I bless it in Jesus' name. You guys name. received those words. Thank you, team. Give it up for them. Yes. And just one final thing I want to do before I turn it back over to Jim is we've got a slide on how to connect with our ministry. And so if this is, uh, man, I need to get Brian up here to talk about the QR codes. That guy, that's the most anointed QR code announcement I've ever heard. <laughs> but if you, um, you want to connect with us, I do a weekly podcast blog. You can just put your camera to that, and our website will come on up. A couple things that we're doing upcoming. Uh, March 2nd, we're starting our annual 40-day negativity fast and positivity feast. It's a 40-day online event. Uh, and, you know, just uh, how many think it's a, this would be a great uh, time to fast negativity and feast on positivity uh, in the Word? And so we've got a 40-day plan on that. You can find out about that. Uh, and... Oh, we got, yeah, right there, wow. And, and then also on uh, April 29th and 30th, Wendy and I are doing in Redding an Abounding Hope and Joy Conference in Redding, California, April 29th and 30th. We'll also have that online, but I just want to mention that because there's people within the sound of my voice, the Lord's going to spark something in you to travel to uh, Redding. And Bethel Church is such, I said last night, it's the Christian Disneyland and, I mean, you know, just to be able to, to, to come and get refreshed. And so that's going to be happening. And you can, you can find out about that on our uh, platform, ignitinghopeacademy.com. And, and then um, got a couple books here I want to give away. This is called Let's Just Laugh at That. Let's Just Laugh at That, by the way. Now, this is a very thin book. And if you made a, a goal to read 10 books in 2022... 20, I am your friend. <laughs> but this is a devotional book. If you liked what you heard today, this book is, blows up lies. 
it just it has 45 kingpin lies and then a bunch of laughable assumptions under that than the truth that's going to make us free. And this is, a, this is a fun book. You can just open it up at any page. Mary, why don't you find someone to just go out there and give that to. And then this is my latest book, Igniting Hope in 40 Days. And this is, again, a devotional. This takes the whole hope message and just unpacks it, my latest revelations that I've had the last couple years. And so this is a fun one. We've also got on our uh, Igniting Hope Academy platform a 40 Days of Hope where you can get this book, uh, down, a download of it, and then 40 videos that go along with it. So, Henry, I know you've got, you've got somebody out there that you want to give that to. Anyhow, bless you guys. Just give the Lord a clap offering and... Good man.